Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hello, everyone. It's Takuya here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So our dog is a mutant. Yeah, uh, Banjo, you know, he's a pug, and uh, that is synonymous, 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 uh, synonymous with mutant. Uh, yeah, it, he has this weird ear infection and he's had it for like ever. And we keep taking him in. They keep giving us antibiotics and it smells awful. It's <laughs> his ear smells like a decomposing roadkill. It's terrible. Yeah. So the last time it was like, well, we really want to find out why this keeps coming back. Like, why can't we beat this, right? So they're like, well, what we could do is send out a culture. So we had to send a bit of his ear yuck to a scientist so that they could determine exactly what kind of bacteria was invading this dog's ear. Right. So it took like a week to get back and the vet called me and they're like, all right, so sorry it took so long to get back to you. And I was like, hey, it's no problem. You know, I've been keeping it clean and, you know, it's fine. What's up? And she was like, so your dog has a bacteria that the bacteria I've it's just that I've never seen or heard of it before ever ever and so um I immediately interpreted that as alien virus 
that there was some sort of weird intergalactic uh, germ experiment going on inside our dog. Uh, but really what she meant was she hadn't heard of it, but science is aware. Right. Yeah. So we, we did look it up and it is a thing. Mm. It's just not very common. Yeah. And yeah. So it's not like, you know, the galaxy is on Orion's belt or anything like that. It's <laughs> just uh, he, he's a uh, he's mutant. He's a mutant. Know. Doing better, though. And and he smells a lot better. So much better. So much better. Thanks for asking. Okie doke. What you got for me? The Sunny Sands Nudist Resort is in Pearson, Florida. And <laughs> are you laughing? Is that near Tampa? Um, let me see. Pulling up the map. Because there was a nudist colony near Tampa when it's I lived there. by Na- Daytona Beach. Okay, so other coast. All right. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, <laughs> did a, a radio remote broadcast from this one particular nudist resort yeah. outside of Tampa. And um, he said he was... Uh, he was sitting there talking with uh, a young lady. Uh, they were sitting on towels, mm-hmm. and uh, he was really embarrassed because when he got up, he left a little brown mark on his towel. He pooped on his towel? No, apparently there was some residue. <laughs> That's embarrassing. That's terrible. Yeah, he's trying to be all cool and stuff. and yeah. What I mean, wouldn't you have investigated that situation before you went to a nudist colony? I would think so, yeah. My but, goodness. Yeah, he was a, a bit of a bonehead. But I make sure all that's cleaned up before I go to the dentist. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Where are your teeth? We still haven't watched that movie, Teeth. No. About the, I don't want to watch yeah, that. Yeah, no. that seems yeah. like it might be upsetting. So anyway, nudist colony. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's this uh, nudist resort, and they were a pretty tight-knit community, and it was, you know, there obviously there's a lot of misconceptions about nudist sure. colonies. It's sure. not like it's an orgy all the time. It's just a community of people who like being nude. It's really not as weird, I think, as people try to make it. You know, it's those who vilify just the not wearing of clothes are probably weirder. Yeah. Yeah. We we fear what we don't understand. Like you're naked, though, sometimes, right? Sometimes. I mean, yes. Yeah. On, on just, occasion, I've been known to be. Yes. So just yeah. they're doing that more. You know, it's just not that weird. <laughs> anyway, it's not something I want to do. Um, I, I, I like my stuff held. Yeah. Yeah. I like holding your stuff, too. Stop. No. <laughs> anyway, so the resort uh, had very specific rules about who could join. Mm-hmm. You, there was like an application process, and single men generally were not allowed to join. Okay, okay. So when Garland Rusty Russell came to the resort and said he wanted in, mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, no, that's not, that's not what we do. He made it his mission to get to know the owners of the resort and convince them that he was a cool kid and that he wanted to be a part of this resort. He was a good guy and it wasn't going to be weird. It's not a weird thing. He just wanted to be a part of the community. I don't know. His name was Rusty. Like a Rusty Sheriff's badge? (laughs) Yep. Towel residue. He told the owners that his parents had been killed in a car crash and that he was recently discharged from the U.S. Air Force. 
He didn't have any family left after the accident, and he claimed that the estate was in probate, and as soon as it was settled, he was going to be really well off. So he wanted to be in a place where he was comfortable, where he felt welcome, and so he wanted to get to know these people. After they got to know him, they thought, this guy really is kind of chill. Like, we we like him, Hmm. and maybe we should make an exception. So several of the members of the community met him, talked with him, and after a while, the leaders... And the owners went to him and said, listen, Rusty, people seem to dig on you. So, you know what? We're going to we're going to let you join the community. I keep whacking my iced coffee straw. Hold on. I'll put it over here. Rusty said that he had been a film buff for his whole life. Film buff. (laughs) And he had uh, acquired an extensive collection of videotapes while in the Air Force. So he decided that an optimal situation would be that he lives in this community, gets to know these people, and he opens a video rental store. How cool is that? Okay. So it's a video rental store in a nudist colony. It's outside the colony. Okay. So he's dressed at work, but then, okay, gotcha. Sir. Get over the nudist thing. I'm just trying it's to like, paint a picture in my mind. Just think of any sort of old people park in Florida. Okay. All Except right. they're not wearing clothes. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm done with that vision. Go ahead. So the video rental store is about 15 miles outside of the resort. He's doing really well. He's excited to share his new business venture with all of the people at the resort. And everyone's really excited about being a part of it. They are jazzed for Rusty. And they really (laughs) like Rusty. So he spoke with a couple of his fellow nudist colony customers and said that he had this idea for a special deal for movies for them. He was going to sell the tapes to them rather than rent them the movies. And then in three months, he would buy the movies back and he would buy them back for 20% more than he sold them for. That doesn't make any sense. He said that this was a way to do like a tax dodge because then he could rent the movies as used movies. All right. So he did this a couple of times with a couple of people at the resort and they got their money back. Everyone was really happy with this setup, doing this check swapping thing where they'd give him $500 checks and he'd give them $600 checks and everyone was happy because they were making money. Yay. Okay, so this was not a cash deal. No, it was checks. Okay. Um, And all they had to do was make sure that they didn't cash their check for 90 days. Okay. So in the meantime, he was taking the tapes back and reselling them as used tapes, and then he wouldn't have to pay all the taxes. You know, hey, I'd rather give my money to you guys rather than the government, right, dudes? <laughs> and they were like, right, cool. Anyway, I don't, I don't know how people talked in the 80s. <laughs> okay, so... That was, well, that was dead on, sweetie. Thanks. That really was. So things were going really well. And he decided that he was going to expand his store. So he went to a neighbor who was already a part of his video rental deal. And, uh, and they knew that he was good for the money. So he said, hey, can I borrow some money to expand the store? And they said, absolutely, not a problem. So they lent him $20,000. Uh-oh. He said that he needed it to buy more tapes and more equipment, and they agreed to it because they would make some interest on the investment as they had with the the videos. Mm-hmm. 
he was thrilled because he was mingling with these happy families. They were supporting his business. He was friendly and caring, and everyone was just really digging on this situation. But... There's always a but when it comes to a nudist colony. (laughs) On August 28, 1988, an 11-year-old girl, the daughter of one of Rusty's close friends at the nudist colony, ran screaming from Rusty's trailer. She said that he had thrown her against a wall and onto his bed where he had, quote, touched her all over. Mm. She hit him several times and then fled in terror. She actually hit him hard enough so that he had to let her go, which is kind of rad for an 11-year-old girl. And I'm kind of super proud. Now, in any other situation, you would say, okay, a guy and a young girl being nude together would be like absolutely unacceptable. In this situation, the police were like, wait, is this normal? Is this something that you guys Mm. do at your nudist colony? Mm. Because there's, as I said, a lot of misconceptions about what it's all about. But no, generally, her parents would not have approved of her being nude in a building alone with this man. When questioned, he insisted that it was just horseplay. They were just wrestling oh, and that sure. nothing sexual had occurred. Uh-huh. But the police it's a tickle fight. Didn't, uh, didn't believe the story. So he was ordered to be held without bail. However, his friends that he had made at the nudist colony could not believe that Rusty would have done something like this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe it was weird and maybe there was a misunderstanding, but Rusty would never behave this way. He would never hurt a child, right? So they petitioned the judge to let Rusty out on bail, and it was granted. Wow. Which I didn't even know was a thing, that a bunch of people could just be like, no, no, let him out. Oh, yeah, all right. That seems good. What? No. (laughs) Why would you be able to do that? So the owners and the members of the Sunny Sands worked on raising money for Rusty's release and defense. Uh, The owners, the Noonans, went to work. They went to the bank to see if they could get the money together. In the meantime, Bob Pickens, who was the landlord at the video store, agreed to post Rusty's bond. Rusty, during this conversation, was also able to convince Bob to buy the video store. He claimed that his reputation had been ruined and this was not something that he was going to be able to recover from. Poor Rusty. Well, Bob agreed and he arranged to have the money available for Rusty within 24 hours. Holy crap. The Noonans, meanwhile, discovered that Rusty was overdrawn at the bank and that he actually lied to them about what he owned. They also discovered that he was having problems with his creditors and that all of his payments were way past due. It seems as though, oops, Rusty was not the stand-up guy that they thought he was. Well, I'm immediately suspicious when uh, somebody says, yeah, I've, I've inherited a lot of money from my parents. Can I borrow a lot of money from you? Yeah, it seems a little sketchy. So the Noonans realized that something wasn't quite right, so they reached out to the authorities. At about the same time, Bob, video rental store guy, learned that he was actually the third person who bought Rusty's video rental store. He also tried unsuccessfully to get the bail revoked, but Rusty had already been released before authorities were notified of his doings holy crap so 
it was then discovered that Rusty had been all kinds of fraudulent. He wrote a $20,000 check with only $1,000 in the bank to cover it. He wrote a check on a closed account to buy a car. He then sold the car to a friend for $3,000. He also sold that same car to a Chevy dealer. This is according to sheriff's reports. He then rented a different car and left the area and didn't show up for his court date. Wow. He moves quickly. He moved fast. And he kind of had to. Using Air Force records, officials determined that Rusty was not Rusty, that his name was actually William Eugene Hillard. They also learned that he had been previously arrested in 14 states for various crimes and scams. 14? 14. And there was another arrest warrant out for him in the state of Texas. Police think that's where he got all those videos from, by the way. Hmm. Rusty had been one of his... 50-some identities that he had used in scams over the years. Oh, my God. It's about this point in our timeline that this story was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, John Walsh. And who was what? No, wait. What? I'm sorry. How dare you? That's the wrong one. I am so angry with you right <laughs> now. Uh, Robert Stack. Yeah, sorry. I got my crime show host guys mixed up. I don't know if I've already mentioned this or not, but um, I'm going to mention it just in case I haven't. If you've not seen photos of young Robert Stack and young Robert Stack's young wife, please internet them. They are like Hollywood royalty. They're the most beautiful couple that's ever existed. And I just adore them. And I want a small photo in a heart-shaped frame of them (laughs) sitting on my vanity where I do my makeup every day because they're just precious. I also love Robert Stack. (laughs) And I love money. So if you want to, while you're getting her her photo, just give me a bunch of money. That'd be cool. Cut all that out. Rude. (laughs) Cut all that out. Cut that part out. Okay, well, I can't cut it out now. (laughs) Okay. I'll cut it out. Cut it out. No. Don't leave that in there. I will. No, you won't. You don't get to decide. Yes, I do. I'm going to edit it, so. (laughs) So who's watching Unsolved Mysteries? Maybe it's Rusty's new girlfriend. Uh Yeah, they'd been dating for about three months. He, by the way, was using the name Ronald Edward Kent. And she was like, aha, how dare you? So she reached out to the authorities and Rusty was snatched up. He was extradited to Florida to stand trial for the charges against him. So Garland Rusty Williams, a.k.a. William Eugene Hillard, was found guilty on all charges and sentenced to Life in yeah. prison. Yeah. 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 The judge said specifically because of the victim's young age that he should never be released on parole. Excellent. I like an ending like that. That's a great ending. I got most of my information from the Orlando Sentinel, Medium.com, and of course, Unsolved Mysteries Wikipedia. That's the show with Robert Stack. And now, that thing in the middle. There were many types of soldiers in medieval times, but the most feared were the archers. Archers were so strong, they could fire a bow the distance of three modern-day football fields. Archaeologists can distinguish an archer in a group of medieval corpses because their bow arm is abnormally large. 
Ever find yourself at a loss for words? Hmm? Tell me, what's it like? This is The Box of Oddities. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. Find out what's real and what's not when it comes to famous conspiracy theories like those surrounding notorious assassinations and secret societies. Discover the weak and deceptive underpinnings of modern political ideologies and religious beliefs. Join me as I attempt to shed some light on our historical blind spots. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms. Want to listen to the Box of Oddities ad-free? Of course you do. Go to patreon.com slash box of oddities. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Jamie sent us an email. Hey, Kat and Jethro, I'm from North Carolina. Started listening to your podcast because of Dan and Lindsay from Scared to Death. Thanks, Dan and Lindsay. And thank God I found your podcast because I'm getting married in December and going on my honeymoon next March to Iceland. (gasps) And I didn't know there was a penis museum there. And I wouldn't have if it wasn't for you guys. I'm definitely making a stop there when we go. Anyway, love your podcast. I'm only on episode 21, so I have so much catching up to do. But believe me, I will. Welcome to the Freak Family, Jamie. Yay! And send us those honeymoon pictures from the Penis Museum. So who are the Dark Watchers? And what do they want? What the hell do the Dark Watchers want? We've known about them for centuries. Well, not me, personally, and... Maybe not you, but uh, we don't know who they are or what they are. They've been described as giant-sized yet featureless dark silhouettes wearing dark cloaks and wide-brimmed hats. They've been described as as tall as 10 feet. Is this like a creepypasta kind of thing? Well, it's, I think, a little more in-depth than that. It's said that they stand motionless. And they watch travelers and hikers along the Santa Lucia mountain range in California. They never, they never approach them. They never try to communicate with them. It's as if they're just watching. They're They're just 
They're observers. It's just a dark area that doesn't move? No, it moves, and it has a face, and there have been hundreds of sightings, but no one has seen one up close. In the few cases where people have tried to approach them, they simply turn and disappear. They, they vaporize before their very eyes. Now, the Chumash people were known to inhabit this particular mountain range, as well as areas of central and southern California. Their legends are full of stories of these dark watchers. And the cave walls in the area are covered with drawings by the Chumash that uh, depict these bizarre phantoms. Hmm. These depictions are centuries old. Most of the stories begin here with local native tribes. Um, it was spoken of in their oral traditions. And in the 1700s, when the Spanish arrived, in other words, you know, came and stole their land. Right. They, too, started seeing these apparitions. Well, good. Because I think they should be haunted as well. They call them Las Vigilantes Oscuros, or literally the Dark Watchers. Dark Watchers. Dark Watchers. Shortly after that, uh, Anglo-Americans came to steal the land from the Spanish that the Spanish stole from the (laughs) local people. Mm -hmm. Um, And they began seeing these watchers in the hills. They started getting this feeling like they were being watched. And sure enough, they started seeing these Dark Watchers. Now, these are older tales, but the Dark Watchers have been seen consistently for centuries right up until present day. Wow. Now, they're mostly seen in the late afternoon along the ridges of the Santa Lucia Range in central California along the coast, Big Sur area. Some say the Dark Watchers are 10 feet tall and uh, they they are made to look even larger because of their big hats and, and, and cloaks. I've seen artists' depictions of them, and they look sort of like, you know, uh, Spanish Inquisition kind of guys. What you're describing to me sounds like the Babadook. He has that look, too, right? Or they do. I don't know if it's a he or a she, but yeah, it, it, with the big hat. The big hat, yeah. the long fingies. Yeah, I don't know Ugh, about the, the Gerald's f- game style. <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about the oh, fingies, God. but yeah. Yeah, actually, it does kind of remind me of that. Or is it Babadook? I think it's Babadook. My bad. Please continue. When they are spotted, they always move away quickly and then disappear, but not before they intently gaze at you for a period of time. With eyes? Well, sort of. I I think that people can get the impression that they have eyes. They are purposefully engaging you. That's the feeling that people get. Do we, is there anything about these encounters that makes us think that it's not just people who are giving life to inanimate things? <laughs> like, you know, the there's a couple spots on our ceiling because we yeah, have those right. uh, pine board ceilings. And there's a spot that looks very much like a dog to me. Actually, and then there's that dragonfly spot. Yeah, that, that has been uh, put forth as a, a potential theory i know what you're talking about um the dragonfly one or the dog one? no 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 i have my own i often see things in the pattern on the bathroom floor tile when i'm like sitting on the flush mm-hmm. it looks like uh disney's uh pluto I, I can see pluto's face like in the uh tile it's weird because usually it's a hidden mickey no in this case it's <laughs> pluto <laughs> The many encounters that people have had vary in description, but one thing is consistent. They do not seem to be aggressive. They simply seem to be observing. But why? And who for? What do they want? Do they want anything? The legends suggest 
the Native American legends, suggest that they are supernatural watchmen who are there to benevolently oversee the progress of mankind. But there are tales in the oral traditions of some Native peoples that these are shape-shifting beings of bad luck. In 1937, poet Robinson Jeffers spoke of them in his collection, Such Counsels You Give Me in Other Poems. Quote, he thought it might be one of the watchers, who are often seen in this length of country, strange forms that look human to human eyes, but certainly are not human. They come from behind the ridges to watch. He was not surprised when the figure turning toward him in the quiet twilight showed his face and then melted and merged into the shadows beyond it. Now, they are present in and around a specific part of the country, you said. Yes, the, the Dark Watchers. This particular phenomena happens in the Santa Lucia Mountains near Big Sur, California. Any understanding as to why that region only? Well, there are similar sightings in other parts of the world, and I will get to that in a second. John Steinbeck, the great American novelist, he grew up in Salinas. He mentioned them in uh, his short story, Flight. Uh, it's a story that uh, it's about a Mexican-American teenage boy who kills a man and then has to flee to Santa Lucia. Uh, as he goes, his mother bids him farewell, says a prayer for him, and tells him to, quote, take care of his horse and, quote, when you get to the high mountains, if thou seest any of the dark watching men, go not near them, nor try to speak to them. Steinbeck first heard of the dark watchers from his mother, whose name was Olive Hamilton. So when she was a, a little girl, when she was a schoolgirl, she believed very strongly in the dark watchers and that they existed. She claimed to have seen them. Uh, when she would go to school in the morning in Big Sur, she would leave fruits and nuts and other food in Mule Deer Canyon as a gift, an offering to, oh. to the watchers. And she said on her way home, the food would be gone and in their place would be a bouquet of flowers. That's really sweet. Also, I love the name Olive. Although the dark watchers have been seen primarily in the Big Sur area, like you were asking about, there are similar figures reported in other regions along similar-sized mountain ranges all over the world. In Scotland, for example, they have what they call the Grey Men of Ben McDewey. Again, it's a humanoid form that inhabits a, a summit of the mountain Ben McDewey. The description of the Grey Men varies sometimes from the Dark Watchers. Some witnesses say they are more closely in resemblance of Bigfoot or Yeti, but then there are those who say they are clothed humanoid giant figures similar to the description of the Dark Watchers. There have also been sightings in the Alps, in the Andes, and in Australia's Great Dividing Range. It's interesting to compare the Dark Watchers legends and myths to those of shadow people. Now, we've talked about them quite a bit. Shadow people are these mysterious beings that lurk on the fringe of your periphery. They're kind of there. You kind of see them, but when you turn, they disappear. And, and I remember from science class in school learning that optic nerves on the sides of your eyes are capable of picking up more detailed light than the front of your eyes. So that makes sense. I used to look at like, if you, if you look at the sky at night, mm -hmm. the stars, 
and you look from the side of your eyes, you can see stars there in your periphery, but when you turn and look at them, they won't be there. It's because your eyes collect light better on the sides for some reason. I, hmm. So I wonder if it's something like that. I know if I strain my optic nerve, I see stars, <laughs> um, but that's different. Uh-huh. Shadow people, even though similar, are more attributed to a more common phenomena. Sleep paralysis. Oh, yeah. Sleep paralysis, that's when the body's asleep, but the brain is semi-conscious. The person's, person's eyes are open. The experience causes the brain to panic. And when that happens, it creates hallucinations and illusions, uh, often of horrible creatures that are like looming over you mm. as you're lying there paralyzed in bed. All in all, a fun experience. And it's interesting to note that one particular shadow person that has been continually reported in many sleep paralysis cases is that of the hat man. This is a whole other phenomena. A tall, looming, dark figure who wears a cape and a large hat. Very similar uh, to the description of the dark watchers. Sightings for the hat man have increased dramatically in the last few years for some reason. There's a whole thing about it. No one knows why. So what causes this? Uh, There are a couple of theories that point toward some sort of explanation for the presence of the Dark Watchers. A mountain specter is one. A mountain specter is an amplified version of a shadow cast on nearby clouds or fog when, when the sun is opposite of the cloud. In other words, if a person is standing at the base of a mountain range and the sun is behind them and there are clouds and mist and fog that are in the proper places, their shadow is projected on it. It appears to have elongated gigantic proportions and it's often projected a substantial distance from the shadow's origins. The dark watchers are most often seen near twilight, so it's possible that the sun is in a position behind the witnesses of the watchers. <clears throat> And they are nothing more than the shadows of the witnesses being projected on the mountaintops. A really cool uh, phenomena (laughs) in and of itself. The other theory is similar, but it's a little more psychological. Infrasound. Infrasound is a low-frequency sound. It's below the audible range of 20 hertz, at least audible for humans. Now, it can have physical and psychological effects on a human being. It's been shown in studies to cause paranoia, anxiety, panic, uh, insomnia to the people that have been exposed. It's most commonly reported to be caused by ocean waves or wind passing through mountain ranges. Uh Uh-huh. And if the person is close enough to the point of origin, the infrasound may cause their eyes to vibrate and create visual hallucinations. These elements certainly could explain uh, the presence of dark watchers or a combination of those two things. Right. It's just that I have a lot of those symptoms, and I didn't know if maybe there was infrasound in Maine somewhere. <laughs> Could be. Are you seeing dark watchers? No, but I've got anxiety, and I don't sleep so good. <laughs> so are the dark watchers sentinels from a different dimension? Are they some sort of alien observation force? Or are they hallucinations caused by infrasound or simply a funny quirk of science, a trick of shadow and light? Well, John Steinbeck's mother would probably remind you that uh, shadows and mist don't leave flowers. This appears to be something that uh, you really have to answer for yourself. Maybe spend an afternoon uh, in the St. Lucia Mountains, just about twilight. Let us know what you find.
That was a very Twilight Zone ending to your story you did there. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to channel uh, Rod Serling. Yeah, picture if you will. Why do I have the distinct feeling I'm about to drop twelve stories? Hey, if you guys missed the Looped show where we got our tattoos live uh, on on the interwebs, uh, <laughs> we'll be giving you a video on demand option pretty soon. You can you can watch it uh, whenever you like. And it'll be available soon. We'll update you on the social medias. Yeah, we'll have all the details available shortly. Also, tickets to our New York City show is available. What? Yeah, it sounds cool, doesn't it? Yeah. We're going to be playing off-Broadway. Way, way off-Broadway. Every time you talk about where our live show is, I can't help but think of my dad because he loved that Pace Salsa commercial. And we're going to be playing in New York City. New York City! (laughs) Get your tickets at theboxofoddities.com and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash BoxOfOdditiesPodcast On Twitter at BoxOfOddities And Instagram at BoxOfOdditiesPodcast Copyright 2021 All rights reserved